flight delays, having to drive, making alternative arrangements. Sounds like a mission trip. <laughs> we were able to watch a little bit of the service from time to time. I was in the middle of the day, but they had it, were streaming it. And one of the comments made about Brother John, he, um, the visiting minister had come and he says, you can preach as long as you want. We all leave at noon. You can keep preaching, but you can preach as long as you want. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, we won't adopt that here. I'm not Brother John. <laughs> Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord again tonight. We're going to just, maybe that's all the singing we'll do. We're just going to turn to the word tonight. Just get right into the thought. We'll go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These are going to be different texts for a mission report, but nonetheless, I feel to take them this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is Paul speaking, who was the most learned who had everything under his belt, who felt he had the world under his control. And God spoke to him on a pillar of fire experience in Damascus, and he was never the same. And this is him speaking to the Corinthians. Verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Can you imagine a great apostle? And this is what's happening inside. And he says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm also going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, going to read from verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to just give the service to you tonight. Lord, for the hour we're living in, we're asking you that you would impart faith, that you would give us grace to be able to receive. Lord, to lay down the part of ourself that has to lay, be laid down. Father, that Christ may be all in all. Lord, it's our desire not to see a man. It's not our desire to see 
a church, a movement, but we want to see Jesus, Lord. Father, would you come again today, tonight, now in the cool of the evening, speak to us, be with us, guide our thoughts and words for your glory and honor, we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have your seats. In the book of Hebrews, it also, we call it the great faith chapter and the great works of faith that are done. But there's two verses I want to read out of there as well in verses 33 and 34. And this is Paul after he's gone through a number of the heroes of faith. And he would make this statement, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of mouths of lions. Can you imagine? Quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. And then this little verse is thrown in there. Out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. So I'm just entitling this the same thing as I did this morning, which is then he came and part two, the Uganda report. But I want to just take this because I, sometimes as we walk through life and even as we're ministering and we're traveling, I think, I feel like we're going through a school and I feel God's teaching us and, and instructing us and preparing us for the great hour that's before us. And we see so many different things that are going on in the world today but Brother Bannon would, would take this because, and I, I really had to go back to this myself, and I felt that some of the things I had prepared myself for, I'd prepared some notes, I'd prepared to be ready to encounter different things, and as some of those things sort of started to disappear on me, and I found myself saying, Lord, I have nothing but you, and then I realized that's just where he wanted me, and, and he wanted me to get out of the way. And not that I wasn't trying to get out of the way, but it was, he was looking for more of that. And there was a few moments there where I said, Lord, I, I, you bore witness to, the, to the, the rain and the storm that was there. And Brother Fred came to me after and he says, I was so discouraged. And he says, I, I didn't know how we would do this. And he says, I didn't realize that I had a stronger man with me. And he says, Brother Fred, it wasn't me. If you could see what was going on inside of me, it wasn't me. It was God that was here. He's the strong one in our midst. He's the mighty one in our midst. And, and so I even just as I was in those, those thoughts and Brother Branham was, I, some of the victories of Brother Branham just came to my mind and, and the simplicity and the humility with which he conducted himself. There was such a victory in him just saying, watch my Lord in action. And he knew in whom he had believed. Elijah could stand on Mount Carmel, and he would stand there in the face of 850 prophets, and he would allow them, he would almost mock them, he would almost do what he did. And then when it came time to pray, he said, Lord, let it be even as you showed me. 
and, and walked in faith in that. And, and we're coming to an hour where it's going to require more faith. But it's not us building up so much as it is us letting go. Shaving ourselves down. Where it's nothing but God and His Word. Where it's Him and us alone. And he, that's when He comes on the scene. And I, I, I would say by the grace of God I witnessed that in part. But I, I'll say there was moments there where I would just in prayer say, Lord, I've only got your word. And, and, and there's a whole message that God just really dropped in my heart in the middle of all of that. And I, I haven't really, I haven't had the moment to, to, to really prepare it and, 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 and go into it. But the Lord willing, I'd like to do it. But I'll just say, is, you know, in the beginning it was Satan. And he fell. And if you think about this, he had all... He, he had all that God was except he couldn't create. And, and, and I, I thought of Satan and his angels and God and his angels. There was angels, even though they were there, they did not have the seed. They did not have the character. They did not have something that would keep them. And, and we're coming to an hour where actually Satan, he fell from pride. Now, pride itself isn't what, what, what causes us to fall, but it, it, it sets us on a path that God can't work in. And whenever we use our pride, and that's what Paul came to, he says, I, I can't use my thinking, I can't use my thought. That isn't the channel that God works in. God works in a completely different channel. God works through humility. And when we, we try, we're human beings. Even, even, oh, I've been so many years in the message. I got this. I, I, I got this, Lord. And actually, every time we come a little higher, we get knocked a little lower. And I'm so glad that he's my God. I want to have him at my side. I don't want to stand on my own merit. I don't want to stand with what I've got. This came to me while I was there, and I just... Wanted to share it. And, it, and it actually is out of perfect strength by perfect weakness. Brother Branham would say, notice it's the weakest and the rejected. Practically every hero God ever had was that kind of person. Rejected, a person that was insufficient, had no ability at all, and then God could start using them. I said, when we feel like when we've got it, then we've got nothing. When we're thinking we're able to do it, then God can't use us because we're wanting to do it ourselves. I'll tell you, I mentioned that this morning is what became very real to me, even on this, was this message is not just something that's, that, that's separate, that we have to protect. Actually, this thing is what what is got life in itself when we allow it to do that. It's not our thinking, but it's, and, and I'll tell you, there's nothing stronger than truth. I, I had to speak to men that were, were, were ministers in different places. What am I going to do, read quotes and say that? I just went right to the Bible. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more powerful than the Word when it's brought in its simplicity and its clarity. Oh my, I, I just, it felt like, I, I felt like, this is it. 
This is the very thing that God has desired. And we're coming to it. We're coming to a head. Brother Branham would say, when we become insufficient and servants to ourselves, uh, that's when God can use us. As long as we're trying to depend on our, our own abilities and so forth, we'll do nothing. I'll tell you what, I, I was there and I felt like, Lord, I got nothing. And it was right then I realized that he had me right where he wanted me. Brother Branham would say this statement. One of the most important things we must master. Remember this. Especially you young preachers and lay members alike. The one thing we've got to master if we expect to fulfill God's desire in our life. We have to master the thought of human ability. He says, if we ever get to this spot where we think we can do it with our intelligence and our own abilities, we've got to master that in such a way that we can get rid of the thing and lay it aside so God can use us. I'll tell you what, I, I'm grateful I could, God allowed me to come to that place of weakness because I believe that's what he was wanting to use. And I just say for all of us, friends, it's, it's, it's no matter what happens around us, when we come to a place where it's us and God alone, that's where he wants us. He wants a complete surrender. He cannot use one ability. We've got to make a complete surrender, body, soul, and spirit, in order that he can work his will in you and in me. He says, sometimes we say, this guy, he's a great person. He's a great person. I'll just lean on him. He said, that displeases God when you do that. We all have our heroes, our, our, our preachers that are our favorites. And, 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 you know, we've got to be very careful that the vessel that God is using doesn't become an idol, doesn't become something that comes between God and us. He says, that displeases God. We must lean upon God and God alone. We mustn't trust the ability of ourselves. We must completely yield to God. No ability, I don't care who it is, will never be usable in the sight of God. And it's almost, it's almost incredible how God works in that channel. But it's so wonderful. He would say, I, I, I don't want to read too much of this, but he says... This is what the tabernacle here needs. We need a killing of ourselves. He says, I need a killing, and we all need a killing, that there can be a new revival, a new life, a new hold, a new hope. He says, a new experience. That's what we need here, he says. I'll tell you. When we depend on him in prayer, we depend on him for every word, for every junction. Sometimes he brings us right to where we ought to go. I, I, I mean, I was walking where the Hebrew children walk. I was in the den with Daniel. I was in the places. But it was then I realized he's here. He's with us. He'll never leave us. Oh, it's tremendous. We thank God for it. Well, that was my little introduction. I got something to say at the end, but in the meantime, I'm going to try to finish off. So if you can put that PowerPoint on, Sister Ruth, we're going to just try and pick this up a little bit here. We left off this morning, and when we had traveled across the world, we got to Uganda. 
I want to just say this uh, also, if I can, um, and, and I just want to work this in conjunction with uh, other works that are being done. We've, as a church, we've been working with Brother Robert Wilson, who's been going into some of these northern countries up here, and it's highly, it's not Christian-based. It's sometimes 97, 98% Muslim, but he feels a burden to go there, and so he's actually going to be going on a mission trip into two countries in northern Africa, and that'll be happening now in the next uh, few weeks here, but he's going into uh, Algeria, and he's also going into Mauritius, which is, Mauritius is, oops, didn't want to do that. Mauritius is up here, and, and Algeria is in here, and these are Muslim countries. So let's remember our brother Robert in prayer. Let's just say, Lord, you lead him. I'll tell you, I believe we're being connected to the bride in the world as never before. So we just want to pray for him. These are a couple of pictures. This is when we were with Brother Herbert McCoba. This is Brother Herbert back here. This is in his house, Brother Stephen. These are, this is the minister's table. There's all kinds of food and rice and all kinds of things. I just wanted to show that quickly. This is at Brother Herbert's after the service. We had a wonderful time with him there. He just sent greetings to all of us. I wanted to bring that up. This is where we left off. I'd, I'd kind of gone from our Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't expect you to remember all the places, but... I, I skipped Thursday, Friday. I jumped to Saturday, and I, so I'm going to just pick it up from Wednesday night. This was a Wednesday night service that we had at this church, and, and this was the church where this brother was, and they were singing and having a good time. I really enjoyed the pull of the word of these people. to the next one. That church, we were based out of Mbali here. That was the area where we had, tell this is where Soronko, where Brother Herbert Makoba is. Brother James was just over here, and the place was called Numbali. So uh, just a small little place. He's just right in here on the border of Kenya, but he's been faithful. He's the brother that was playing the believers in his house. And uh, just, just when I walked into his house and I met him and his wife, it was just such a welcome, solid spot. You know, they've seen ups and downs in the message, but they're solid. And, and I'll tell you, there's something you can hang your hat on for that. We thank God for that. So we went, the next day was, uh, that was Wednesday night. I came home, and uh, actually I should just share this. I, I came home and I tried to listen wherever I could into a service. And that was Wednesday night, so I came home. So I think I got up like at 4.30 in the morning. And I was able to catch a little bit of the service. Brother Moses was speaking. I didn't have very good streaming at the hotel. It would cut in and out. But as he was speaking, he just said a few words. And it just struck something in me. And I think he was speaking on the bride has made herself ready. 
And, and I started listening to the marriage of the Lamb. And that became an inspiration for me for that next day. So Brother Moses, God bless you. I heard it was a good service. Thank God for that. And, and I was now, the next day, we were going to a group of believers where they were just coming out. And uh, so, so this is where Brother um, uh, Fred joined us uh, with Brother Stephen. Brother Fred's been watching these people. They brought a bunch of the ministers together. They came. It's just a little village. You know, you, if you wanted to look for 20,000 people, you wouldn't find it. The revival is in villages and in places all over the country. And you can just see it's in little places. Now, if I can say it, the revival isn't just people coming out and being baptized. Some of them are running back because they find out, I, I thought we would gain this or I thought we'd get that. Or, but the revival will bring out the elect. And so we believe that and we're looking for God to do it. So we're not looking for numbers. We're just looking for the seed of God. We're looking for the word to be established. So we went the next day and, and this was a man, this, this guy, I'll, I'll show you his pictures, but he was a man who, who actually opened the door for this whole movement to go into the Pentecostals. He was a leading Pentecostal elder and minister. His name was Brother Don and Brother Brother, some of the brothers call him Brother Donnie, as like another Brother Donnie we all know. But he, they call him Brother Don, and, and he was a man who caught a hold of it, and he began to spread it to other ministers. He began to show it, and, and he really opened the door for everything to go. And he actually followed us from a number of the services. He was just rejoicing and, and enjoying the Word. So we went this next day to um, a place that... that uh, was just a little further east, and it was called Manafwa. And uh, there was a brother Rogers that was a pastor there, but there was a number of ministers. So as I was coming, and, and you think, how do you speak of the message for what it is? And, and then the thought came to me as Brother Moses touched on, and I, did, and I just thought about the marriage of the Lamb, the calling of the bride, and, and I just began to go down that channel. So we began to take the next service on, on that, and, and just as, as we came together. So these next pictures will just lead up to it. We drove down the road a little ways. It was a nice country, countryside. It was mountainous. And then off onto the gravel roads, we came just up to where the church was, which was right here. And it was actually a mud floor in the church. They, they had raised the mud floor about six inches for the stage. But it was uh, just a humble, simple little place. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a number of people. It started out, they had actually advertised the meeting later, so not everybody was there at the beginning. But if you preach long enough, they'll get there. So we did that. And they wanted you to preach long enough. So as I came to the front, this is sitting in the car, and I'm listening to them singing in, in here. So then if we go inside, this is where they were. So this brother right here, this is that Pentecostal brother, the elder. There's a bunch of people, like they're all in the back. I'll have a clearer picture in a moment. But I just want to catch the singing here for a moment.
Let's do one more here. This is Brother Stephen greeting everybody. That's Brother Stephen, so he'll be here, the Lord willing, in April. Uh, these are just some of the pictures from the meeting and uh, the saints that were gathered there. This is, I don't like playing this, but I'll play it. It wasn't the main part of the service, but I'll play it anyway. This is talking about the tribulation period. It's talking about the time when the 12 tribes of Israel would be saved. But there's also going to be foolish virgins. Ones that didn't put oil in their lamp. And they would have to go through a tribulation for their purification. They would have to go through three years where they would give their own blood. Where they would give their own lives. And at the end of that, they're still virgins, but they have to give their lives. They're the foolish virgins. And when you look at the Bible, and then the John is asked, who are these? So we were making a distinction between the wise and the foolish. We were, I, I need to just maybe share a little bit of the service. I took Revelations 19, which is really the, there's a judgment, but then it moves into the calling out of the bride. And that's what Brother Branham would often refer to. He says the bride leaves in Revelations chapter 3, but she doesn't come back till Revelations 19. But it's the calling of the bride. And we began to make a distinction between the bride that would be three and a half years in glory and the foolish virgin that would be three and a half years in tribulation. Two women being called. But this was a calling of the bride. And, and we began to just minister on that level. The foolish virgins said they had their robes washed, but the bride was granted garments clean and linen and white. And we began to take it right back from the Garden of Eden where God was desiring uh, for a man and a woman to be one. He was desiring to bring them together. We began to just go on, and, and really my thought came out of there. Brother Branham says this in Rising of the Sun. There'll be brides, 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 but there must come one. So we began to take some of the brides that were there in history, and we went back to Matthew chapter 1, where Matthew in the genealogy began to write about these women, and he inserted their names into the genealogy. And I, I, don't know, I made one statement there. They, it's like the light bulb went on with, with some people. They just jumped out of their seats. And I, I said, now, would God, knowing that Jesus was going to come out of this lineage, why would he insert Tamar in there? Why would he insert Rahab into there? Why would he insert Ruth into there? Why would he insert Bathsheba into there? And I said, look at where they came from, but they were brought into the lineage of Jesus Christ. 
So we began to minister on the level of Rahab and, and how she's a type of the bride, called out, a Gentile. And, and we talked a lot about God calling a people for his namesake. Went back to Eden where Eve only took on her own name after she fell. The bride is losing her name, her denominational names, to take on the name of Jesus Christ. And just as we minister, I mean, you could just see the people starting to build. We took Rahab and we took her and, 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 and actually because I said, I said to them, this is not a church service today. This is a marriage ceremony. And I, and I took and I, I took them through Ruth. I said, will you, will you go with this man? She made a decision. Took him to Rahab and how Rahab would come and, and how she was known as a harlot and how she was known as a harlot but yet she received the message. She received it and she put the token out the window and when she went there, she came back into the camp of Israel. And I said, everywhere she was known as Rahab the harlot. And I said, could you imagine the whispers? And I'm walking up and down the aisle and they're whispering. And they're all thinking, yeah. And then it says, but you know, it says she went to a church service once. And there was a general Salmon speaking. And as he was speaking, the same word that she received with the spies, she began to say amen. And, and, and as she began to say amen, it wasn't her outside. It wasn't her identity. It was what was always in her. The seed that God had. And as she received the word, Salmon began to recognize it. And he eventually decided, I'm going to marry this woman. And when he married her, it changed her status forever. No longer known as a harlot. No longer known as, as by her old name. And we brought it right down to the end. I said, so here they are. They're at the marriage ceremony. Could you imagine? And it come to the critical place where the vows were about to be taken. And then it said, is there anybody here who will have anything to say against this woman or this man? And God had already told Joshua, destroy everything in Jericho. Destroy every witness. Destroy anyone that would ever come against. And because God destroyed everyone, nobody could say a word. <laughs> oh man, they, they started to rejoice. And, and I said, so just burn everything. Leave it there. Come to the marriage of the Lamb. We had a wonderful service and we came to the end. I mean, we went through some of the women. We went through the different things. We actually started to go to Rebecca. And how Isaac and Rebecca and how Eliezer was the servant. And it was a type of this last day servant to call a bride for Isaac. And I just took some time and went through it and how he went there and how he went to the well and took some of what you've known for years, but... He asked her for water, and she had to water the camels. And he, said, and he prayed, if this is the woman, and to water the camels wasn't just, you know, here, pour a little teacup out. But it was going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Her character was coming through. And as her character was coming through, he was taking notice of this. And little did she realize she was watering the very power that would take her back home. And oh, they just started, I, I, it was like, you know, you, these are simple things we take for granted. People have never heard this. And I'll tell you, you just talk about, 
it just revolutionized some of them in their thinking and some of the brothers and the ministers. They just could see this is not a move. They've heard Brother Branham, you know, they've heard different things. But I said, if you notice Genesis 24, Eliezer is not mentioned by name. He's mentioned as the servant. He's mentioned as the man. And I said, all that Eliezer did was point her to Christ, or, or to, to, to her bridegroom Isaac, the same as this messenger is pointing us to Christ. And I just began to take it, and I took the camel ride back, and how as, as she, before she ever met him, she fell in love with him. And I couldn't, I couldn't take all of the services, the message titles like I would normally do. You know, what, what would you tell me? Well, Eliezer, tell me more. Give me some ever-present water from the rock. Give me, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I couldn't say all those things. But at the same time, I just said, oh, he, he, he likes this and he likes that. And I said, friends, we've had an Eliezer. And he, he's coming and, and I brought it right to the end. And, and I said, now notice, the bride did not marry Eliezer. She married Isaac. And when she met Isaac, she was already in love with him. And she met him, and he took her in the tent and consummated the marriage. Now I said, where are you in this whole cycle? Did you hear the call? Have you watered the camels? Are you in the tent? I said, stay on the journey. Don't stop where you're at. We just began to lay that out, and oh my, it was, it was wonderful. We had a wonderful time, and I, some of these thoughts I, I injected into different services, and just as the Lord inspired me, but I'll tell you what, friends, you could come there and you could witness to somebody, this message is powerful. The Word is powerful. Light has shone on this. I don't know, I, I, I took my notes and I made them just like this. <laughs> that was what I preached the whole service from, but it was, it was just... Different things that we laid out. We went to Ephesians 5. We took all of these things and then we concluded at the end with just as a marriage vows. You know, and, and, and just took even how Romans chapter 7, to be a spouse to Christ, you have to be dead to your former husband. You cannot have a living husband and be a spouse to Christ. You cannot have a denominational husband. You can't have a denominational mindset. You can't have any of that if you want to be married to, the, to Jesus Christ. And we had, a, we had a really good service there, and it was wonderful. Brother Stephen came up, and he just, as always, he would just reinforce a couple of things real quick. Was this, was this one with Brother Stephen? Did that have a... No, I didn't have something. I thought he had said something to it. So then afterwards, the ministers gathered together, and uh, we had, uh, they brought a little bit of food out for ourselves and then we had a little time to talk together and shared some things so I began to talk a little bit about the message about how God had set forth a pattern that was there in Paul that pattern was a pattern that was to be established for the ages and I said and Paul had to have a Timothy and then the Timothy had to take the words of Paul but be faithful in the words of Paul if he added to them, it was no longer pure. If he took away, it was no longer pure. I said, we've been called to be Timothys. We've been called, and I said, I'm not a, I'm not a Paul here. I said, I, I'm a Timothy like you. And we just began to talk, and we shared some different thoughts out of the Scriptures. Brother Stephen also spoke. And then afterwards, we, 
we concluded. This is just after the service. So this is, this is the brother Don, or they called him. Uh, that's some guy from wherever. This is the host pastor. It's brother Stephen Abali, brother Fred. That was our interpreter. We were outside after, and all the, you know, all the kids looking at you and trying to touch you. Some of them, you know, because you got white skin, they just run up to you. <laughs> anyway, it was funny. One of them, I had my hand out, and I was just, I could, out of the corner of my eyes, coming out beside the car, and then just coming beside me, and then I turned. I do that at home to my kids and my wife and everybody too, so it's okay. <laughs> it was completely in character. Here's the kids. Look at this. <laughs> I touched him. I touched him. <laughs> There's a nice countryside there. We, we went back and we uh, headed back to uh, Mbali here. We decided that day because the next day I had to get all the way to Kampala. So we went from Mbali all the way back to Jinja. We drove like two and a half, three hours yet to get back there. And it was at nighttime, and Brother Stephen and I had wonderful fellowship. He put me up in a hotel here in Jinja. And uh, it was an interesting hotel in terms of its name. Source of the Nile Hotel. So the Nile River is the longest river in the world. It's the only river that flows north in the whole world. And it starts right here. At this place called Jinja. So it's called Source of the Nile. So you look down, there's the Nile River right outside your window. That's the Nile River. That's some strange looking birds we don't have around here. That's just on the river. So Brother Stephen took me out for a little tour. And you know, it, it was kind of, you know, everybody's a little proud of what they got. You know, like we like to quote the thing where Brother Branham says, you know, when I, in the millennium, I want to live in Banff or Jasper. You know, we like to quote that. We like to say those things. You know, we got it, you know. So I'm listening to the brothers there. And he says, just think, the very water that carried Moses started right here. <laughs> wow, good claim to fame. So anyway, we went out onto the river. Uh, they, that wasn't the boat we took. But they get to a place where this is Lake Victoria back here. But there's these, this springing up. So they claim that 70% of the lake feeds the river. But 30% comes from some springs which start right here. So they got this little marker right there. And it says, the source of the river Nile. Right there. This is where it all starts. So I thought, wow, tremendous. You know, if you actually let it, let it float down, it would take three months to get to Egypt. Three months to go from there. So it was interesting. It was nice to be out that day. It was sunny. Brother Stephen took me out, and we had, a, we had a good little time, some of the fishermen. Anyway, that was till the next day, so we had to journey off to Kampala and, and headed on the road that day. So a brother, Brother Andrew, what's Brother Robert's last name? Abassi? So Brother, brother Andrew preached a convention for the youth in um, Kampala, in, at, and this Brother Robert, he had organized it. And brother Robert is a... He's an accountant by trade, but he's a minister. Uh, he's been, he started in Brother Stephen and Bally's church. He had a posting for work in Entebbe. Uh, he took that, but in the meantime, he's been very faithful in the message. And 
Brother Robert is one that actually has fed on the message. I, 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 just to give witness, I, I'm driving down the road, and I'm tired, and I said, listen, I'm going to put my head back. And when I woke up, the tape was playing, and Brother Branham was preaching on the Philadelphian church age. And that's the way he was. He was always listening, feeding on the message. I, I, I found him just to have a wonderful spirit. I think, Brother Andrew, they spoke very well of you. I corrected them, said he's not always like that. And, <laughs> and so they said, thank you. We appreciate that. And so, uh, you know, we had a really, really good time. They really loved Brother Andrew there. Uh, Brother Robert is kind of unique in the whole area. Uh, he's, this is on the roadside traveling. We drove together, tea, sugar cane. Then we get to Kampala. So just your average African city with traffic. You saw the motorcycles this morning, right? Right. So just, just coming into town. We finally came to the place where I was staying, more motorcycles. These motorcycles have a way. You can be right at the front when you come to a red light. By the time you leave, there'll be 100 motorcycles in front of you, weaving their way through, and then they take off first. So anyway, when the rains came, we had the last laugh. <laughs> so this is Brother Robert. It's hard to take the picture, but his wife there, his daughter, another daughter. They have a son also. They rent a school, and they had a Friday night service, so I came to the Friday night service to speak with them, and, and I had a thought that the Lord just had just opened up to me, and I really felt to, to go that direction, and yet when I came up to within an hour of the service, it just felt like it just needed to go different, and uh, so I, I just began to take, take a little different thought, but we came to the, to the service, and, and it started out like people were still coming from work. And everything, Brother Robert was there. This was the only service I didn't have a translator for. They all understood English very well. And uh, so it was, it was really a, a, good, uh, a good time. I, I really went on, on the thought. They have a lot younger people. And, and really went on the thought how every generation must have its revival. And how, how the, the power of the seed. God said to Abraham, he said, Your seed will sojourn in a strange land. But I said, in the strange land, they'll come out in the fourth generation. So I said, that word had to have an enduring quality within the seed. And so I began to go down that channel a little bit and took them through the seed. And I took some natural types. I took the monarch butterfly, which, which lives four generations. The first three generations live six weeks. They journey part of the way. They journey part of the way. They journey part of the way. But the fourth generation goes all the way back home. I took how Luther went part of the way. But the word that he carried went on. And I took how it went through Wesley and different ones. And, and then I took the message that we have. And I said, it says, you're right where you need to be. But you need to be a carrier of the seed. I said, you can't rely on something way back there. You've got to have your own revival. You've got to possess the land. And I really took the thought of possessing. You know, something came to me as I was, was doing all of this. And it was even with Abraham. And, and the word that God gave him was a redemptive word right from the beginning. It was a restoring word because in Genesis 12, that was his justification. And he came out in Genesis 12. But in Genesis 13, when Lot was captured by the, the kings, Abraham took and redeemed him. Even though he wasn't part of the original. 
And then I, I, I took then later on how after he went through his sanctification in Genesis 15 and then finally he received the circumcision. And I says after that the angel visited him and now I said it, it, it came to me how, how when, when he started telling Abraham how will I hide anything from him. And he made known his plans regarding Sodom. So in the beginning it was Abraham interceding and, and doing it by natural force and, and, and redeeming Lot. But now it was Abraham, the word had come into them. The word had come into Sarah and Abraham. Now Abraham's intercession was by the word. It wasn't him physically going down there anymore. But it was Abraham, that which came into him, now became power with God. Now became interceding. God actually wanted him to use that word. And I just said, he wants you to pray. He wants you to ask him for good things. He wants these things. And, and just ministered on that level. I, I also took, um, when Abraham went to, to Pharaoh, and, and Pharaoh wanted to take Sarah for a wife. And I said, this was even before the body change. And, 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 and God stopped him. But then later when Abraham went to Gerir, and here it's all written to show the body change and everything that was within, the change that was happening. And I says, now, not only did God stop the king of, uh, of Gerir, but he also said, unless my servant prays for you, showing that what came into them was the word coming back to a fullness again, where that word was going to intercede. Friends, we, we don't have a prophet on tape. We have a word that's coming into our bodies. We have a word that we can use. We have a word that we can speak. Are you with me? Anyway, we had a wonderful time. This is... good time. Brother Robert texted me the next day and it was the day after. He just says, Brother Ed, he says, just thank you for coming. There's a number of testimonies that I'm getting and he said, uh, you know, you've, you've only shown that what, what Brother Andrew and you all have in your church is, is, is feeding the bride and he was really 
happy for it and, and just very thankful for it. So he's a very good brother. We were happy to have him. This is where we left off this morning. This was on the Saturday service. I already went through the rains. I went through everything that we went through. This is what happened. I was referring to Brother Fred uh, a week before. A dove had come into the back of the sanctuary, and it flew right to the front, and it landed on the pulpit. But if you look at it, it's, it's right, back up. It's right on Brother Fred's hand right there. A dove in the middle of the service. And, and here he's got the dove. He actually released it. It flew to the back. It stayed there for a while, and then it went out. He said, but it was just, he said, just, just the things that have been happening. And I mean, you can take it for whatever it is, but it, it was wonderful. He actually, these are some thoughts from the back of the church that we were there ministering, praying for some people. Uh, this is when they mentioned Brother Harold. And they actually pulled up a picture of him right away. And uh, that looks like a guy could leap a three-foot wall. And uh, <laughs> this was uh, just at the conclusion of the service. This is when Brother Fred just is praying. So we'll just pick this up for a moment. We are Afterwards, we went into the office. Brother Fred, who was, uh, he, like I said, he was suffering a bit. This is Brother Don, the, the brother who was the Pentecostal man. This is Brother Fred. We're in the office. They give you a little something to eat. And uh, pretty standard fare everywhere you go, but it's good. It's always good. Then they, we had a little gathering for the ministers. They were having something to eat, so it was ministers and wives. These are not ministering sisters, to make that clear. But... Uh, was just in between. After that was the gathering of the ministers that were here, and they asked me if I could speak. So we spoke for about half an hour. A, a couple of the things that came up was that many of the congregations really didn't know about how, you know, they, they was all on a system of, of raising money and selling goods and paying the minister, not on godly principles. So now these brethren come out, they, they're worried that they can't make a living because they don't know the churches. And, and really have to come out of the whole denominational mindset. And so while we were there, we had a chance to speak. And I, I actually took Deuteronomy 11. I took Deuteronomy as a series of meetings that Moses had to, um, to the children of Israel. The new generation just going into a land. 
changing their thinking from the old fighters, from the old things that were there. And I said, how Moses made a distinction in Egypt. You worked. You irrigated the land. You did this with the land. But he says, now when you go in this land, you obey me and I'll send you the rain. I'll send you the former and the latter late in due season. And just laid in some of those principles. I, I also just took a little bit from Elijah. How Elijah anointed Elisha. And he, and, and he was given a commission to do three things. And Elijah never did it all. He said, Elisha fulfilled a part of it. He fulfilled the part of anointing him. Elisha anointed Hazel. But then one of the sons of the prophets anointed the king of Israel. And I said, but it was all under the Elijah administration. And I says, I can't go where you brothers go. I says, and, 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 but you can, and Elijah couldn't even go where you go. But you can fulfill the word of God by Elijah by being obedient. And I just began to encourage them. Began to also give them some admonition regarding uh, Paul and Timothy and different things. So it was, was uh, just a conclusion. And this was after all the rains, after the sunshine, after everybody ate. And we're there. Now it's dark. And now we hop into the car. And, and the ground was wet, so... Talk about the devil throwing dirt in your face. You know, I'm, I'm there and just watching that. So the, the guy, he, he backs up a little bit. Then he pulls forward and he starts spinning his wheels. I got splattered with mud. Splattered completely. I said, okay. Anyway, I'll show you that in a minute. But we left there. We had to drive back. We stopped by, we stopped by this church. So one of those women pastors that renounced the message, this was... This is in the dark. There's a building here, a building here. But there's a church. What was a church structure there? It had a cement pad. It had a little stage. It had walls. It had a roof. This woman was part of the deed and the title of the church. Not all of it. But when she renounced the message, the Pentecostal church came and ripped down the walls, ripped off the roof, took everything with them. Said, you, if you're going to do this, we're not giving you this ground to worship on. And so they just use a few tarps and things. It's kind of a mess. This is part of what's there. But this is some of the challenges that they face. So that was where we stopped. And then I got back to the hotel. After a long day, I was splattered. This will maybe tell the story better. That was my pants. But you know what? Nothing but a good washing machine. And the next day, all good. No problem. So my wife would have been proud of me. We're doing that. So the next day we left. This was Sunday. And on Sunday we drove three hours to another new group where there was a number of ministers that came together. And Brother Fred had arranged this and we were going to go. So we drove through Kampala. We went out into the countryside, leaving, leaving the countryside. This is one of the young men that's with Brother Fred. His name is Brother Julius. Just a, a real blessing. Just a faithful servant. He was there. He followed the meetings. I'll tell you what, it's not about one or two men. It's about a whole group. And Brother Branham had a desire to see young men rise up and take the message and, and go to different places. This is also uh, with Brother Fred's wife. That's with, with Brother Fred's son, Joseph. He says, we're going to the meetings. This is coming closer to the meeting place. This is just the church, which is basically tin sheets and such over a structure. And that's, that's the meeting place. This is the number of ministers that are there. You know, there's, there's little things that come. They, Brother Fred tried to invite him, but some of the ministers got upset because he didn't pick their church. 
So they told their churches, we're not going. So you think it's, it's a all-glorious revival? It's a book of Acts with trouble, with all of this, with this, this. It's all the same. This was a number of them that were there. Brother Fred's addressing them beforehand. They have me come up. I had something kind of neat happen when I was ministering there. Um, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll come to it. But th- this, that day I kind of had a real thought. And, I, and it was similar, similar to the service where God taking all these women from different places. But it was on a greater level. And it was leading up to Mary and, and the power of the spoken word. And the name of Jesus. And the attributes of the name of Jesus. Jehovah. He was Jehovah Jireh. It was Jehovah Nissi. He was just taking all of these things. But something that came to me was, was even again about Rahab and how she was called out of a life of sin. And, and bro, Brother Harold did this often, but I, it, it came to me as I was there about the woman caught in adultery. And I'm, and I'm just, and I took, it, I took it here for a service one time and just took how that woman was just caught in adultery, how she was there and, and she was brought before Jesus and, and just took and, and choreographed it a little bit. How Jesus rode in the sand and how all this. And I didn't know it, but this city that we were ministering in was known as a red light district for prostitutes. And the very ones that actually came in in the very beginning were prostitutes off the street. And when we took that and we showed how Jesus wrote off all of the accusers, how he dismissed them and how their record was clear, and they, some of them just started rejoicing, and I didn't even know this, and they began to tell me. And I said, oh, praise God. God's wisdom is greater than man's wisdom. And they just started to rejoice, and they were so happy with it. We, we took it right up to Mary and how Mary even became a carrier for the name of Jesus. The first time Jesus was mentioned, it brought life and just, just began to take it all on that level. So it was good service. So one of the things that happened along the way, the Lugandan language, I would listen to them speaking a little bit, and I said, what's that word they're saying? They're saying amen. So the way they say amen is amina. Amina. You know, and, and so I came up there, and then they said, welcome, Brother Ed. And I said, you know, and I just said, amina. Oh, they just re- broke out. They thought, this is wonderful. And I did that for a few services. So I'm coming up there, and Brother Julius says, Brother Ed, you need to go a little further in your vocabulary. <laughs> he says, we're going to teach you how to say God bless you. So I just wrote it down a little bit. So here, here's just a little clip. I'm saying God bless you. Watch the people. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Oh yeah, just nothing like I gotta play it again. Just Oh, they'll love you forever after that. <laughs> so, anyway, this was one of the sisters that was in the choir that they had following us around. Uh, this was uh, Brother Julius, the young man that we took a picture of before. This is some traveling uh, minister from overseas. This was the local pastor at that meeting. 
after the meeting, they had food prepared for everybody that was there. The ministers gathered together. They had a little time of fellowship. We were in on that. They had questions and, you know, many things that come up. You know, questions about marriage and questions about families and raising things. And so Brother Fred was there. I was there a little bit. I, Brother Fred was really, he probably stayed there for a couple hours yet. And so it's a lot of work. So we need to pray for these brothers. And, you know, we're not looking for great numbers. We're, not, we're just looking to let the Word of God take root. And, and that's what we ought to pray for. This is just at the conclusion of the day. This is Brother Fred and myself. This is Brother Fred's wife and, and her sister who was there. These are all the musicians that kind of followed us around. And I just said, you know what? I could use a group like you to go in front of me. And so then they wanted me to take a picture with them. So I took a picture with them. And, and so I don't know who wanted each other more. If they wanted me or I wanted them to, to do it. But it, it, was, it was good. This is just the next day, Monday. This is Brother uh, Busabozi. He's in Kampala. Brother Stephen, myself. And that day, Brother Busabozi, who works in the translation, he's actually the brother that first brought the message to Ethiopia. He's a Ugandan, but he brought it. He's very bold. He's, he's like, like a lion. He just goes right out there and does things, and he's got a bit of a vision, and, and he does things. But, you know, he's, he's not maybe the pastoral type. And so he, he, now there's a church in Ethiopia, but there's a brother who's local who's becoming to a position where they're probably going to take him as the pastor. But Brother Basabozi, you know, he, he gets involved in different things. So I spent that day with him. That was Monday. And, and we said goodbye to Brother Fred. That was, my services were done. So it was, it was good. It was, but this was very valuable because he is in charge of the printing and he, he works together with different, different brethren, different groups. So we traveled a little bit through Kampala. We went to his house, which his house also has... Uh, a little uh, print office at the back. And so he went, we went there, and this is where the print office is. And uh, in the print office, so he's got two brothers that work with him. They're packaging books. That's Brother Bus there, as we call him. And that's one of the other brothers that's working with him. They, in the print stations, quite often they'll use a little portable printer. It depends where they're at, but it allows them to print the message. Brother Bus is more involved in larger production. So he's actually got a very good printer. This is not just a laser jet or an inkjet. It's on a different level than that. It's almost like a commercial printing scenario. And so he was showing me how it works and um, how he prints off the message. And then, you know, he takes a title page. They fold it, how they have everything sort of set up. And they come out with these messages. They come out in English. They also come out in the Lugandan language. But he actually services Brother Fred, Brother Stephen. He works with the different brothers. So everybody has a part. Everybody's doing something. And the message is so necessary. I'll tell you, if I can't emphasize this enough. When you don't have a book in front of you or a Bible in you, if the Word is in you, it'll come out. It'll come out when you're witnessing. It'll come out in your thinking. It'll, it'll come out in every way. This is the church age book in Lugandan. It was very nicely done. They're actually doing some of the printing now. This was printed in China. And it's more cost efficient to print it in China and bring it up to, into Africa. And, uh, and they, they actually can do very well. Brother Barry Coffey is helping with some of that. 
But it's a very nice, actually, I wish we had it in that kind of coil. It's, it's really nice how, how it's done. This is an essential book for reading. I, I, I can't tell you enough. I, I, I brought along like 10 church age books, a bunch of song books, a bunch of Lord God has spoken. I had it in my suitcase the whole time. I carried that, by the way, it was whatever it was, like 20 pounds of books in my luggage. And I carried it from day one, but I didn't dispose of it till the last day. And I said, man, I, I was... But I had the church age book the whole time. <laughs> so it was really good. So this is some of the packaging of the church age books that they have there. Now what they do is they, they put it in boxes, but the boxes themselves are a message. And it says the end time message. So it says days of voice publications, tells where it is. Then it tells the end time message in the days of the voice. Behold, so even as the boxes go out, they're sending a message. So I think it's wonderful. And they come in these boxes. They send them out. They go different places. And uh, God's using it. So they, they print very nice quality books. These are some of the Lugandan language books. These are some of the, uh, the cardboard that they've got. It's Brother Bus with his daughter. He has got three children. He also has come up with a little player. And this is the player that has all the message on it in English also in Lugandan, and also in Swahili, which is another language spoken. But Brother Fred is the translator for the Lugandan language, and they can listen to it. So this little machine comes at about 40 bucks. He gets it out of China, and, and he feels it's a good way for, for the message to get out. Many people can't read, but they can listen. And it's, it's quite, a, quite a good little tool. So it's, it's something, another way of speaking the language. That's Brother Bus. That's his place there. That's his wife and one of his daughters. This is us driving to the airport, going through traffic. So the last, isn't this wonderful? There's a motorcycle with a bunch of live chickens on the back. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. At <laughs> any rate, so we, we finally got, we're coming close back to the airport where I started from, back to Lake Victoria. It actually, the skies opened up. It was really nice. He stopped in. There's a really nice hotel that's there. And he took me for a little bit of a brunch. So that was the, the part of my vacation, if you want to call it that. But it was, uh, I didn't stay there. I just, we just had brunch there. It was right, right beside the shores of, of uh, Lake Victoria. It was very nice. Very nice there. So. And that was it. That was, that was the trip. So we're grateful to God for all he's done. I realize my time has completely escaped me. I preached some of what I wanted to say anyway. So I'm probably not going to keep you any longer today. But I thank you for your prayers. I want to thank you for supporting us, for helping us in, in your encouragement, in, in, in all your support in every way. There's, there's some thoughts, but I'm going to just save it for a service. I, I just feel like I wouldn't do justice to where it was at. So how many love the Lord? Uh, let, me, let me share these two things, maybe, if I can. I, I, I got this today, and, and may, maybe if I can just say this. Now I, now I qualified that I wasn't going to go, but I'm not going to go. But, but if I can say this, when we went to the airport and the different places, and the whole fear of the coronavirus and the people, it's just gripped the world. And, and then even... Just looking at, at the way things are right now with, with all of that and, and how it's, it's just 
like even the stock markets, people that aren't even directly affected, but they're worried and, and, and the stock markets are like sinking. And, and, and I reflected on Revelation 6 where it says, like we are really in the pre-tribulation cycle right now. We are seeing a persecution. We are seeing the pressure coming. And I'll say this, God will raise a standard. So in China, where, where this whole thing has gripped it, this is from Brother Murphy. And, and he says, China is very nervous. His parents are there. He has brothers that are there. He said, they haven't gone out of their high-rise apartment in Beijing for two weeks because of the virus, even though there's nobody in their building affected, infected. The brother comes once in a while to bring food. The, they have locked down cities. People have to wear masks. They're cautious. They're in fear. But he says, slowly things are starting to come. They've, they've blocked off some of the real bad things. But he says, it's the fear of the virus that is just dominating them. And it's paralyzed connections and feeling between people that are very frail. It makes them untrusting and suspicious. And he said, the Lord is working great things in the midst of this. Brothers in China that, that took these chances, that translated the message. So because people can't go out, they've posted the messages online. And he says, people have nothing to do, so they go online. And they come across the message. And they start contacting these brothers. The brothers who translate said they can't even sleep more than two or three hours at night because they're getting so many calls. <laughs> you thank God. <laughs> so instead of negative news and rumors, he said... He says, the brothers said they sleep a few hours a day. He said, some of the brothers use live cam broadcasting and they're preaching. And because the government is under such pressure from the people, they'd normally clamp down, but they're getting so much, it's actually opened the door for them to communicate this way. So you talk about God working everything for, for good. Thank the Lord. I want to also bring this. This is from Brother Jason DeMars. He's a brother we've also sponsored in some mission work. He's gone into the Middle East. He's gone into Turkey. He's gone into different places. He sent me this today. I, I believe we're more connected than we've ever been. He said, please pray for the Iranian bride in Turkey. There are threats and attacks on other refugees, Syrians. But the Iranians have been mistaken for Syrians and have been attacked. Police have stood by and watched. Many Iranians are afraid to go outside partly because of the virus. Denominations have canceled services due to threats. Only the bride is continuing to have services. The pastor of the church in Kasseri, Brother Omid, was called in for a refugee interview this coming Tuesday. They've been deporting people recently. He could be facing a six-year prison sentence if he is deported. So these brothers are all under pressure. If I can say... The world is coming under a pressure. There's a pre-tribulation mentality. And I'll say this, but God is, is I believe, putting something in the bride that they are not going to go through that. And I'll say this, in fact, there's a boldness. Friends, we are more than conquerors. God has given us His Word. We can stand and we can know who stands with us. 
I, 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 just, I, had much, I had some things I wanted to say. I'm going to leave it, though. I promise I'll stay true. Musicians can come. We're done for tonight. We thank God for everything. Thank you for all your prayers and support. Just happy to be a Christian. If I gathered one thing from the trip is this message, there's nothing. It's truth. I, I, I don't even want to call it just a message as like another move. It's truth. And, and I just thank God for it. And I believe we are coming into a season where the move is on. And Brother Branham would actually make the statement. He said, Thus saith the Lord, the move is on for the bride. A mighty angel has come down. People are eating the book. The book is starting to come out of their words and their mouth and their prayers and their songs. And I believe that that's just all a part of what God is doing. So let's stand together. I feel like singing. The move is on. I don't know how you caught that back there, Sister Ruth, but that was tremendous that you caught that. It's just tremendous discernment there. <laughs> the move is on, my Lord. The move is on. The move is on, my Lord. The move is on. Well, I can hear the rustle in the mulberry tree. And I know, I know, I know the move is on. Move on, brother. Move on, sister. This is the movie.